Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. Joining us today is Rebecca Koenig. Rebecca is a senior reporter at EdSurge, where she covers the future of learning. Rebecca won a 2020 Dateline Award for the best online feature and was named a national finalist for feature writing by the 2019 Education Writers Association for Education Reporting. She has also worked as a reporter for U.S. News and World Report. So uh, welcome today, Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. You know, I'm curious to know what's it like to cover the field of education these days? I mean, there's just so much going on. What's it like for you? It feels pretty ceaseless. And the news is coming thick and fast with schools attempting to reopen and then deciding quickly not to reopen. That kind of thing seems to happen almost on a daily basis. So it's keeping us on our toes at EdSurge for sure. Yeah, it sounds like you have a good collaboration teamwork out there where you share ideas and you move quickly and you're pretty nimble. Is that right? Yes, we are a pretty small team, but I think that that enables us to be pretty flexible and, you know, pick things up as they come. So been a great learning experience to kind of have a continual breaking news event for, you know, seven or eight months now, but, but we're hanging in there. Well, we appreciate the news feed for sure. And our listeners for this show are primarily school leaders, district leaders from across the state of Ohio specifically, but actually across the country now as well. What are some of the most interesting things you've learned about field of education these days? What, what advice do you have from where you sit? So... I'm not sure that I have much advice because it seems like, you know, kind of the lessons learned from this experience will be coming in maybe after, <laughs> after the crisis has been resolved. But one of the more interesting things I've noticed is that educators are starting to pick up on some practices that may actually be working better for them and for students that they would never have tried had it not been for the pandemic. Um, And that, you know, that's not to say there haven't been serious harms done to people's health and livelihood and education as well. But some things about remote learning seem to be going well for students. I did a story recently about virtual office hours that some professors at universities are trying. And it seems to be convenient for, for students, especially students at commuter institutions who never showed up to their professor's office hours before, but now have time to do a 20 minute, you know, video chat with a professor at their convenience. Something else that a colleague of mine has written about has been outdoor classrooms and this idea that, you know, spending time outdoors is supposed to be safer for us currently, but there's also a lot of benefits to just having class outside for students, you know, young students, students in high school. So it's been interesting to kind of try to find those practices that maybe should be sustained even after the health crisis is resolved. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I bet you didn't know when you were getting into journalism that you'd be riding this very important time, this timely wave of change. Um, there's That's obviously, right. I, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> who knew? But I think, I think where you sit and where many other journalists sit these days is in a very important position because you're, you can in some ways be sense makers for many of us that are trying to sort through what do we take from this? What are the challenges? What are other people out there doing that are effective? Mm-hmm. Let's do a little bit of a deeper dive on Zoom. So I know you did an interesting article in September in EdSurge on Zoom, the title being Nine Insights for Educators We Learned on a Zoom Call with Zoom. So yes. clearly much happens on Zoom, including this podcast. What insights can you can you give to our um, K-12 leaders here about the benefits, challenges, future of Zoom? Sure, thanks for asking. So one of the things that was immediately clear to me based on the call is that Zoom has no plans to kind of disappear from education even after the pandemic is over. They're investing heavily in hiring people for their education vertical, their team. They are continually experimenting with new features to make their platform friendlier for students and educators and parents. And so I would just say, you know, to be on the lookout for ways Zoom would like to stick around uh, in in the field afterwards, you know, whether whether that's of interest from school leaders, I guess, remains to be seen. But they, you know, they're making plans to become as integral to education as Blackboard or Canvas. So that was one one takeaway I had. Another thing that interested me was the ways in which folks who work for Zoom on their education team seem to be seeking feedback from students and teachers about what they need. You know, the ways in which people in virtual classrooms have to experiment is kind of flowing back up to people at Zoom who have the power to kind of tweak the technical tool. And so they, you know, they seem to be seeking feedback in some ways that are kind of formal, like, you know, doing focus group type work. But also they suggested to me that they're, they're open to getting responses from people even uh, unsolicited. So, you know, if, if you're a school leader and you've got a need or you've got a great idea, it might be worth trying to get in touch with someone over there. One example of the ways in which they have used that feedback to adjust themselves is they were hearing from music educators that the audio quality of a typical Zoom call was just not cutting it for transmitting music, instrumental music. And so they rolled out this new setting that you can find kind of deep in your Zoom settings to adjust and make it carry sustained musical notes with more authentic transmission. So that's just kind of an interesting example that they offered to me. Well, it's pretty amazing that they're able to keep up with these changes and to evolve while it's happening. Mm-hmm. I think from your the article, it sounds like they're growing, I mean, exponentially. I think I saw in your article, more than 100,000 schools in 25 countries are using the service. That's pretty yes. amazing. Yes, that is what they told me. And that was, I guess, a couple months ago now. So it's possible that the numbers have grown or, or shrunk a bit since then. Incredible. Incredible. Okay, got it. And so what about Zoom fatigue? I understand you spoke with Zoom about Zoom fatigue. That's kind of tickled my fancy a little bit. What did they have to say about that? So they did not get into into much detail other than just to acknowledge that their tool was not intended to take up eight consecutive hours of people's time. And they did encourage people to take breaks and, and acknowledge that they themselves take breaks as well. So, you know, if if the folks who made this tool and use it themselves 
are encouraging people not to keep their eyes trained on the screen for a whole school day. I think that that's worth keeping in mind, especially for parents and students who just worry that they are not getting the most out of remote learning. I think it's understandable. You know, this is this was not designed necessarily for a day long experience. Right. And it sounds like some of the people there, actually, they encourage their employees not in front of not to sit in front of their own Zoom screen for eight hours a day. I mean, we are people. And uh, but yeah, this is I think it's a real it's a real gift um, to many of us who have felt separated from others to be able to stay connected. And I've actually heard for some people, it's actually been an invitation to share in a group where we're in a face to face situation. They might be feeling shy. So for some people, this might even be more comfortable than being mm-hmm. with people in a room together at a meeting. And I have, I do know, maybe this is for students in the upper grades, but certainly in college, people have mentioned that the ability to use the chat feature in Zoom has you know, empowered some shy people who, who have things to say, but maybe don't want to say it verbally or don't want to say it on camera. But the fact that you can have kind of visual information, audio information, but also this text information coming through at the same time means that there's ways for people to share that can suit their personal comfort level. Yeah. Who knew that we'd have, as you mentioned in your article about the expanding lexicon, you say, uh, of all the behaviors I'm quoting here, of all the behaviors necessitated by the pandemic, wearing a face mask, ordering takeout or groceries online, working from home, only one has taken over the lexicon, serving serving variously as a verb, adjective, or noun, Zooming, right? Yes. So Zoom, Zoom fatigue, Zoom bombing. I mean, it's just, it's hard to go in. And, and grandparents are using Zoom. It's pretty uh, stunning because a year ago, it was pretty fringe, I think, for, for, pretty, for a lot of people in the K-12 industry, it was pretty fringe. Yeah, that's right. It's really become a common experience to the extent that people have internet access at home. And I think that that is an important point to raise about one of the big remaining challenges is that even even as teachers learn how to teach remotely, even as some students and parents kind of get the hang of it, there are still students who don't have access to this way of learning. And it the longer it goes on, the fear is that the bigger and bigger the divide will be between the students who can reliably get on Zoom or another video platform and the students who can't. And so I think that that remains unresolved. And it, you know, there are there are various ways people have tried to help students get online. But I think that there are still thousands, if not millions of students who have not really been able to participate. Yeah, that's a that is a remaining big deal. And as I've talked to other people on this show that has come up again, and again, the digital divide piece. As we also think about the future, too, I'm curious, you know, Zoom is clearly a big thing now, and Zoom hopes that it will continue into the future. What do you see or what did you hear from Zoom about the future of interconnectivity? I think in your article, you mentioned a little bit about artificial intelligence and augmented reality. What's next? Yeah, so the folks at Zoom were excited to talk about the fact that they are opening research and development offices adjacent to a couple of universities that are kind of known for their innovative programs, um, including Carnegie Mellon and Arizona State University, places where they hope to kind of partner with engineering and computer science professors and students to kind of develop the future of video conferencing. During a relatively recent earnings call, the, the head of the company kind of 
listed a few ideas, didn't go into too much detail, but mentioned that they have people looking into ways to kind of layer artificial intelligence and augmented reality into the platform. So maybe you would be doing a call with someone and there would be a filter or or some kind of feature you could trigger in which, you know, something that isn't there in your actual physical reality shows up on the screen and you interact with it, something like that. So to my knowledge, we don't have too many more details about that yet, but it is something that they're working on, which I know, you know, people who, who use different kinds of phone apps, that's the kind of thing they're working on too. So I think in the near future, this sort of thing is supposed to be coming to all of our platforms. Well, it's very exciting. And it seems like every day or every other day, I'm having to learn something new. And I guess that's the big challenge for education. You know, we, we've always talked about learning because that's what we do as a business, as an industry, as a service to the community. And now we need to do it as well. Um, right. That's right. Right. <laughs> it's time to it's, really show up and learn. That's right. And, you know, I also cover kind of workforce issues as as they intersect with education. And I hear that from lots and lots of employers that the skills they're looking for in the future are people who can continually learn new technology. And this is such a good example of what that means. In the past, I'd been like, oh, right, you know, that sounds important. But now I understand a little bit about what they mean. It means being able to wake up and figure out how you're going to get your work done today and make it happen in the next hour or two. So it's pretty interesting. Well, I appreciate you taking the, the time today to explore this with us and, and help us think about what's currently happening in the future. You let me know when you get new information about those new tools and techniques, because I bet our listeners would like to learn about that. I will. I will do that. And tell us a little bit for somebody that does want to follow up with you for more information or contact you about other articles you've written and such. What's the best way for them to reach you? Sure. Uh, I'd love to hear from from readers or listeners, you can find my articles and my colleagues' articles at edsurge.com. And you can reach out to me at rebecca at edsurge.com, R-E-B-E-C-C-A at edsurge.com. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Brought to you by Ashland University, your partner in the future of professional learning. This podcast is intended to cultivate a rich debate. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Ashland University. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.